The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Good Wednesday morning. We are tracking wild weather coast to coast. A huge winter storm, and it's taking aim at tens of millions today. It is February 22nd. This is today. Here it comes. Warnings and watches now stretching from California to New England. An emergency declared in Minnesota for what could be one of that state's biggest storms ever. More than a thousand flights already canceled or delayed nationwide. While in the South, record heat is the story. Summer-like temperatures in February. A wild weather map and Al is tracking it all. War of words, Presidents Biden and Putin talking tough and exchanging new threats over Ukraine. President Putin's craving lust for land and power will fail. The president wrapping up his high stakes trip to the region today as word services this morning of a Russian intercontinental ballistic missile test. Truth and consequences. The federal government demands accountability and action from the train operator behind that toxic derailment in Ohio. We are making it very clear that Norfolk Southern will clean up the soil, will clean up the water. But residents still looking for answers about their health and safety. We're live with the latest. Family Matters, Alec Murdoch's surviving son taking the stand in his father's defense. His demeanor was, I mean, he was destroyed, his heart broken. What he witnessed after learning about the murders of his mother and brother. And the key question as the defense looks to wrap its case, will Alec Murdoch himself testify? Those stories plus say cheese inside the surprising comeback of digital cameras. This is the era before everyone started using their phone. Who's driving the point and click trend just ahead? And rock royalty, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles set to make music together nearly 60 years after first meeting, giving fans some major satisfaction today, Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. It's Wednesday. Nice to have you with us. Chanel's in for Hoda. The Good morning. kids call it a collab. <laughs> Rolling Stones and Beatles collab. Variety saying this is actually in the works. I think it's pretty huge. Can quite you frankly. imagine? And even my kids, they're 10 and 13. They like the Beatles. I so, know. I mean, this is... This will be big. Please let it yeah. be true. We'll get into it, find out what the reports are in a bit. But we got to talk about this weather. It is wild. A monster winter storm. It's now on the move, targeting the Rockies. And look at this, going all the way up to the northeast, roughly 72 million people in its path. Take a look at this. These are the snowing conditions in Deadwood, South Dakota this morning. But check this out. A much different story down south, where some areas are experiencing an all-time high temperatures for the month of February. And adding to the cross-country chaos, you're looking at extensive damage in central New Jersey after a rare winter tornado warning in the region. Well, we've got it all covered this morning, including Al's full forecast. Let's get started with NBC national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez. He's in Minneapolis for us. Hi, Gabe. Good morning. 
Savannah, good morning. The first wave of snow fell here overnight, at least several inches, but we're just getting started. The temperature here is in the teens, but with a wind chill, it feels like it's in the single digits. Ferocious winds are expected to pick up later today, and Minneapolis is now bracing for its largest snowfall in more than a decade. This morning, the National Weather Service is warning that a historic winter storm is on the move, already pummeling Minnesota with what could end up being two feet of snow. A governor here issuing emergency executive orders to prepare the National Guard. We don't uh, overreact, but we also understand that weather can be dangerous. The winter blast marching across the country from Washington State in Idaho to North Dakota where icy, treacherous roads snarled semis. In Colorado and Wyoming, whiteout conditions. At least 27 states under winter weather alerts. Even in the Twin Cities, a region used to wicked weather, this snowfall could be among the top five largest ever. We are preparing for what will likely be an historic snow event. It all comes during a wild week of weather extremes. Overnight, hundreds of thousands without power in California. Heavy wind gusts topping 60 miles per hour caused significant damage. A one-year-old critically injured in Santa Cruz after being pinned down by a redwood tree inside the family's home. It was a big team effort and everyone did uh, the best they could. Meanwhile, a New Jersey neighborhood is cleaning up debris this morning after a possible tornado. Now, as airports coast-to-coast -coast prepare for widespread delays and cancellations, the upper Midwest is bracing for a blizzard. And we're now expecting that second wave of snow here later today. The National Weather Service is warning of impossible travel throughout much of Minnesota later today into tomorrow, Savannah. Impossible travel. You do not hear that every day. All right, Gabe, thank you. While tens of millions deal with that snow and ice, heat is the big story in the south. Record highs are set to fall across the region. NBC's Sam Brock joins us from an already warm Miami beach. Sam, good morning. Yeah, Chanel, good morning. I feel kind of bad seeing Gabe just a second ago wrapped up in a parka. So much of the country right now is in a deep freeze. And in Florida, it's February and it feels like summer. Now it's 70 degrees at the moment in Miami Beach, expected to reach the mid 80s later today. In Orlando, Chanel, 90 degrees today in February. So heck, why not just take a little stroll into the ocean, the sea temperatures. And I'm sorry for folks who are watching in Minneapolis and Chicago. I know this is not nice. People are taking a nice jog in the morning. The sea temperature is 77 degrees right now three or four degrees warmer than normal. As we go bigger picture, let's look at the map from Texas and Louisiana, stretching all the way to Tennessee, the Carolinas, Virginia, and Washington, D.C., all of those places expected to meet or potentially break records for February. In Louisiana, Mardi Gras right now, revelers are out. They're costumed, they're eating crawfish, and it's 80-something degrees during the afternoon. That's about 15 degrees more than normal. And as we look at some of the records, guys, let's just start right now with Orlando, which we mentioned. If it reaches 90 degrees, the last time that happened in February, 1962. As for Washington, D.C., if it hits 80 today, it's only happened three times in recorded history. The last few times, the 1930s and 40s. So, yes, come down to Florida. I'm out. And as a tribute to a good friend here, you might be able to tell I'm wearing wet shorts at the moment. 
This is for you, Carrie. Wherever you may be watching, the tradition lives on. We Back noticed. To you guys. We noticed. Carrie Sanders is proud somewhere, probably sitting on a beach himself. <laughs> exactly. Sam says he feels so guilty for Gabe. You know what helps with the guilt? What helps? Sand in your toes, <laughs> exactly. sunshine into the lapping the wind waves. in his hair. You'll get through it, Sam. Let's I don't feel that guilty. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. Could you save a dolphin while you're at it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's there's got to be a turtle to send back to oh see somewhere. Oh, my goodness. Mr. My goodness. Roker, a little, I mean, you got it all We got everything there. going on right now, guys. We've got winter weather alerts, 69 million people stretching from New England all the way to California. We've got 72 million people under wind alerts from New Orleans to Cincinnati out to the coast between San Francisco and Los Angeles. Take a look at this. We've got wind gusts as strong as 85 miles per hour. San Francisco yesterday saw a wind gust at uh, the Golden Gate Bridge, 76 miles per hour. Those wind warnings extend from Indianapolis all the way down to New Orleans. Now, take a look at this. We've got winter storm warnings, winter weather advisories, ice storm warnings stretching from uh, Wisconsin on into, I should say Michigan, Wisconsin, into Iowa. Blizzard warnings right now for much of Minnesota, the Dakotas, into Wyoming. And look at, Jason, come on into here. This is something we don't see very often. Ten miles north of Los Angeles, we've got a blizzard warning for late, late tonight on into tomorrow. That's crazy stuff right now. And we've got 8 million people at risk right now for severe weather into the evening from St. Louis, Fort Smith, Oklahoma City, back on into Little Rock. So we're going to be watching that very closely. Rainfall amounts, the heaviest are going to be up into northern Illinois, Indiana, parts of Ohio, northeast, uh, southeastern Ohio. Then we've got ice conditions to worry about, stretching from New England across Syracuse, Buffalo. Look at this, upwards of a half an inch of ice. This is where we could see power outages, trees down, treacherous travel, and then the heaviest snow. We're talking about Minneapolis looking at 14 to 22 inches, Burlington 8 to 12, Buffalo 2 to 4. If they get upwards of 17 inches of snow for Minneapolis, that would get it into the top five. The last time they had more than 17 inches, 2010, that was the dome buster, the metro dome. The snow collapsed the roof. So this could be devastating over the next 24 hours. Guys? Al, we'll be back to you soon. We want to turn now to the escalating tensions between the U.S. and Russia. President Biden wrapping up his overseas trip today, meeting with key Eastern European allies and high on the agenda. Vladimir Putin's vow to press on in Ukraine and his disturbing suspension of Russia's participation in a key nuclear weapons treaty. NBC's chief White House correspondent Kristen Welker joins us from Warsaw, Poland, with the latest on all of it. Kristen, good morning. Savannah, good morning to you. When President Biden holds those high stakes talks with key NATO allies in the region, I am told the focus will be on staying unified against Russian aggression. All as the president sends a powerful message on the world stage, he sees this moment as an inflection point. One day after high stakes split screen speeches between Presidents Biden and Putin, tensions between the U.S. and Russia escalating. Two U.S. officials tell NBC News Moscow notified the United States it was going to launch an intercontinental ballistic missile test before President Biden's trip to Ukraine. One of the officials said the test 
which is thought to have failed, was routine and was not a threat to the U.S. But this morning, stark rhetoric from Russia, top Putin ally and Security Council official Dmitry Medvedev saying, if the U.S. wants to defeat Russia, we have the right to defend ourselves with any weapon, including of the nuclear kind. It comes as Putin announced a major surprise in his speech yesterday that Russia will suspend its participation in the New START Treaty, its last remaining nuclear arms control agreement with the U.S. We pressed the White House. What does the move mean for America's safety and security? And we see no indication that Mr. Putin plans to use uh, nuclear weapons or weapons of mass destruction of any kind. Meanwhile, in Poland this morning, President Biden poised to meet with key NATO allies bordering Russia. On Tuesday, the president delivering a searing indictment of Vladimir Putin before a crowd of thousands, praising Ukraine's resolve in the face of Putin's brutal onslaught. Keep stand strong and most important, stands free. Mr. Biden's speech in Warsaw coming just hours after Russian President Vladimir Putin addressed the Russian people in Moscow, announcing an escalation of the war while falsely accusing the West of triggering the invasion, a charge President Biden blasted head on. President Putin chose this war. Every day the war continues is his choice. With Russia's latest offensive in eastern Ukraine picking up speed, the president warned the war could be far from over, vowing the U.S. and its NATO allies will have Ukraine's back for as long as it takes. Now, Savannah, this morning, the White House is responding to Russia's latest threat of using a nuclear weapon. One official saying, quote, Russian rhetoric around the potential use of nuclear weapons remains as unwarranted as it is irresponsible. This official adding the president's focus remains on helping Ukraine defend itself. Savannah. Another big X factor here. What is China's potential role in this conflict? And it appears President Xi may actually be visiting Russia soon, Kristen. That's right. During a meeting this morning with China's top diplomat, President Putin said he does expect a visit by China's president. The Wall Street Journal reporting that such a meeting could potentially be used to help usher in peace talks with Ukraine. But as you can imagine, the White House is viewing China's role with skepticism, particularly after the secretary of state said that China is considering sending lethal aid to Russia. All of this adding to the urgency as this war is now about to enter its second year, Savannah. Kristen Walker in Warsaw, Poland, traveling with the president. Thank you, Kristen. Here at home, there is new fallout over that toxic train derailment in Ohio. The EPA now ordering the train's operator to pay for the cleanup, while health officials try to reassure residents fearful of the short and long-term impacts of the disaster. NBC's Jesse Kirsch has the details. Jesse, good morning. Chanel, good morning. The potential legal battles here intensifying. Pennsylvania's governor says his office has made a criminal referral, and now the EPA is vowing it will literally make Norfolk Southern pay for the damage it's done. As East Palestine residents continue questioning their safety following that toxic derailment blaze, this morning the Environmental Protection Agency vowing the Norfolk Southern Railroad alone will pay for cleanup moving forward. Norfolk Southern will be held accountable. The EPA's new legally binding order also requires Norfolk Southern to reimburse EPA for cleaning homes and businesses. We are making it very clear that Norfolk Southern will clean up the soil, will clean up the water. 
In a rare interview Tuesday with CNBC, Norfolk Southern CEO promising his company is working with government officials and will clean up the area. We've made a lot of progress so far. We've removed about 450 cubic yards of contaminated soil. We're going to continue our financial assistance to the residents of this community. The company says it's reimbursed or committed $6.5 million so far. The ramped up enforcement comes nearly three weeks after the derailment, which sent toxic material into this small community about 50 miles from Pittsburgh. It is my view the Norfolk Southern wasn't going to do this out of the goodness of their own heart. There's not a lot of goodness in there. They needed to be compelled to act. Meanwhile, the Department of Transportation calling for freight rail reforms, including increased staffing requirements, higher maximum fines, and safety inspections on routes with high-hazard flammable trains. President Biden speaking with officials on the ground while in Europe, saying he reaffirmed his commitment to making sure they have everything they need and calling the devastation years of opposition to safety measures coming home to roost. But as a new medical clinic opened in East Palestine, some residents are skeptical the railroad will be held responsible. If it's up to the politicians, no. They, you know, they're going to buy their, their way out of it. Even as state and federal officials drink from the tap, to stress the water is safe. We're in this for the, for the long run. It's just our, our commitment. Officials say private well water is still being tested, recommending residents drink bottled water while they wait for those kinds of results. Meanwhile, former President Donald Trump is expected to visit this community later today. Chanel. All right, Jesse, thank you. Let us check in with Al, who is one busy man today. Yes, we are. Our weather team is working hard today. As uh, Sam Brockett mentioned earlier, we got record highs in the south. We're going to take a look at the disparity between the southeast Gulf Coast and what's going on out west. You can see on the map blizzard conditions, single-digit temperatures, windy in the south uh, in Southern California, severe storms in the midsection of the country, a lot to be uh, watching out for later on today. And that is your latest weather. Guys? All right, Al. Thank thank you. you. Still had this morning key testimony at the Alec Murdoch trial, his surviving son on the stand, defending his father, what he said about Murdoch's behavior on the night of the murders and the potential impact on jurors in a live report from the courthouse. Plus, a rather surprising new social media craze, why younger generations are suddenly discovering the low-death joys of old digital, <laughs> old-school digital cameras. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed 
Welcome back to today. Thanks for starting your day with us. Good. All right. Well, there a lot more to get to in this half hour, including new developments this morning at the trial of Alec Murdoch. Yeah, he's accusing that double murder, the deaths of his wife and son. And yesterday, one of the defense's most anticipated witnesses took the stand. Murdoch's eldest son. NBC's Katie Beck is at the courthouse in Walterboro, South Carolina for us. Katie, good morning. Well, good morning, guys. This is the first time Buster Murdoch has spoken publicly about the death of his mother and younger brother. He remained mostly stoic on the stand yesterday as he described how his father once coached his sports teams growing up and how heartbroken and devastated he was after the murders. For nearly a month, Buster Murdoch has been sitting silently in court behind his father, hearing dozens of witnesses share painful details about the murder of his mother, Maggie, and younger brother, Paul. On Tuesday, it was his turn on the stand. I was in shock. What kind of condition was he in? What was his demeanor? Yeah, his demeanor was, I mean, he was destroyed. He was heartbroken. I walked in the door and saw him and um, gave him a hug and just, just broke it down. The defense hoping Buster's testimony could poke holes in the state's evidence including videos showing Alec wearing different clothing in the hours just before and after Maggie and Paul's murders. How frequently would your dad take a shower or bath? He could take them a lot. Working out there, if he goes outside and sweats a lot. Buster also disagreeing with investigators who say they heard his father say in an interview, quote, I did him so bad, referring to Paul. What'd your dad say? Said they did them so they did them so bad. The jury also hearing from a forensic engineer hired by the defense who discussed the trajectory of bullets used in Maggie and Paul's murders, using 3D computer scanning technology, depicting the shooter with the gun at their hip, and telling the court he believed they would have been between five two and five four, a foot shorter than Alec Murdoch. In my opinion, it's very unlikely that he fired that shot. Prosecutors taking direct aim at the witness's credibility. No pathology, no firearms, no shotgun-specific training other than anecdotal shooting a shotgun. None of that. No formal trainings. Is that correct? I would disagree. Even using a tape measure and the engineer's own trajectories to question his assessment about the shooter's height, suggesting the person could have been crouching or standing further away. Right there? Yes. I'm glad we could demonstrate those heights to the jury. Thank you. Buster Murdoch also testifying that he was aware of his father's opioid addiction and that Alex Murdoch actually checked into a detox facility in 2018 to try and get clean. The defense expected to have more expert witnesses today. They say they hope to wrap their case by the end of the week. Savannah. All right, Katie, thank you. We want to turn to today's legal expert, Lisa Green. Lisa, good morning. Interesting to have the surviving son testify on his father's behalf. Partly it's about what he said and what he testifies to. Part of it is just the fact that he's there and supporting his father. Yesterday was a hearts and minds day for this jury, and we can talk about the minds later. That's the expert witness. But on the heart side, we're all children. And to see this young man in court, he's very young supporting his father every day, taking the stand, in in a way clearing up some of the discrepancies in the testimony. I know a lot of people think he wasn't that emotional. I think for the jury, that's going to matter much less than the fact that this son, who's lost his mother, his only brother, supports his father 
who's, you know, accused of murder in this case. Let's talk about the investigator that the defense put on, an expert who, I think the key testimony is that someone as tall as Alec Murdoch, according to this expert, could not have fired the shots that, that killed the victims in this case. Did they make any headway there? I mean, I think they made some, but as many people have pointed out, we all have knees, right? So everyone can crouch, and Murdoch himself could have crouched and fired these shots. But Savannah, what these defense experts are trying to do is chip away and create reasonable doubt in the mind of one juror. So the standard isn't for the defense to create its own bulletproof, if you will, narrative. It's simply to give the jurors food for thought. So when they're in the jury room, if one juror says, yeah, I know they chipped away at the defense's expert, but seems plausible to me, the prosecution has a real problem. It only takes one. Has the prosecution been able to pull some of these strands together in terms of the timeline, in terms of the voice on the tape that was at the kennels when Alec Murdoch said he was nowhere near that at the the very moment, moments before the killings occurred? I think that technology timeline is very powerful. And we all know that we're followed around by our phones and pings. And yet, you know, here we are with really solid evidence that would suggest it would be very difficult for Alec Murdoch's, you know, alibi to stand. That said, you know, the prosecution has really, I think, not done a great job in providing a motive. That's not their obligation. But as you listen to all the testimony, a question that could be in jurors' minds is, why do it? Yeah, well, they've claimed it's because of the financial problems. We'll see if the jury considers that to be sufficient. All right, Lisa, thank you very much. Still ahead this morning, today's five things. A teacher, a chef, and a mechanic will be here telling us what they would never do based on their years of experience. But first, Stephanie Goss exploring the new craze over old digital cameras. (laughs) Wait, digital's old now? Yeah, digital's old now. You know, Savannah, this takes a super sharp, focused photo. This... Eh, does not. These are flying off the shelves. I'll tell you why coming up. Okay, we are back taking a closer look at a rather surprising revival. These days, when most of us want to take a photo, we pull out our phones. But a growing number of young people are taking things back to the good old days. (laughs) Yeah, the good old days. NBC's (laughs) Stephanie Goss is here to explain. Hey, Steph, good morning. Hey, good morning, Tom. It's been a while since most of us owned a camera and a cell phone. Back in the late 90s and early 2000s, megapixels were a thing, and everyone had an SD card reader. Well, those are the days Gen Z longs for, and the old digital point-and-shoot is suddenly a must-have accessory. Now that smartphones have been engineered to take perfect photos, Gen Z has other ideas. And I take all my pictures on this. Blurry, grainy, and blown-out snaps are all the rage. It's no longer cool to be in focus. These digital point-and-shoot cameras are just the kind of low-tech influencers are looking for. To my surprise, this actually works, and I just took this photo that looks kind of sickening that I need to post on Instagram. Hashtag digital camera is exploding. The trendsetters buying them now had their baby pictures taken with them two decades ago. This is an era, isn't it? This, this is represents an era. an era. This is the era before everyone started using their phone. At K&M Camera in Manhattan, they can't keep digital cameras on the shelf. Do you have people coming in here, kids coming in here, uh, looking for these? I mean, this is what everyone wants. I mean, we buy, seriously, probably a hundred of these a week and sell almost all of them. Really? 24-year-old Kaylee Sakamoto says her grandmother gave her an old camera. Why do you use it? It's kind of nice to just have a different aesthetic choice and it's 
instead of filters and everything it just comes like that you don't know how it's gonna turn out do you like that it feels kind of old yeah it's nice and it's also a, a step away from being on your phone all the time we tried one out in the neighborhood comparing it to photos taken with an iphone 13 as you can see a much softer feel and it's not just old digital either. Film is making a comeback as well. At Tuttle Cameras in Long Beach, the owner says film sales have recently tripled, with demand for vintage cameras skyrocketing during the pandemic. And for those who can't afford to get a new, old camera, there's a hack. Retrofitting the latest iPhone to take the new, old-looking photos. Gen Z has done this kind of thing before, with low-rise jeans and tracksuits. This is iconic. This is such a sleigh. Wireless headphones have been ditched for wires. Just don't tell them that making everything old new again is actually nothing new. There are some famous photographers who have gone back to these digital cameras as well, adding them to collections of old film cameras. It's kind of this turn of the century look that you can't get using anything else. Turn of this century. Right. Yeah. So in some ways I get it. The look of it. It's just fun. It's just new. There's like 10,000 filters on the iPhone. I'm just so confused they can't find the right filter to get the vintage Well, look, and if you, you know? saw that, you can put a little saran wrap on your yeah. iPhone so, yeah. and a little Vaseline and you'll get that. Well, maybe the, like, the poor quality is like a maybe. good filter. It kind of fuzzes also, over you know, everything. And that young woman that I spoke to said what she likes about it is when she takes it out, she's not on her phone. And yeah. she feels like it separates her from the device. That you need a device to separate from the did, device. Now, did you match your <laughs> outfit to your phone? Of course that, I Yeah, I know. I you too. Uh, okay. Of course I did. Thank you, Thank Stephanie. You, You're well. All right. Okay, Al, let's get a check of the weather. All right, I'll give you a snapshot of what's going on as far as your weather's concerned. Okay, so depending on where you are in the country, you've either got near record February warmth or an Arctic blast if you are out west. Let's start here in the eastern half of the country. Highs up to 30 degrees above average. Memphis, tomorrow, you're going to be 78. That's 21 degrees above average. Orlando tomorrow, 90 degrees, 14 degrees warmer than average. Austin, Texas, uh, today, 88, 80 uh, tomorrow. Washington, D.C., 50 today. 81 degrees tomorrow. By Saturday, we could see 117 cities with record or near record highs. You head out west, we're talking lows up to 40 degrees below average. Wichita, Today, tomorrow, or uh, 19 degrees. Friday, 14. Minneapolis, 14. By Friday, you're at minus six. And even out west, Los Angeles, 41 on tomorrow, 43 on uh, Friday. San Francisco, by Friday, you're at 39 degrees. 40 record or near record lows through Saturday out in the west. And look at the snowfall. Of course, the Sierra always getting a lot of snow. But we could be looking at fair amounts of snow between San Francisco and Los Angeles. Snow levels dropping below five hundred feet. And we, as we talked about earlier, Los Angeles, just to the north, a blizzard warning for, for Friday into Saturday. Crazy stuff. And that is your latest weather. Guys. All right. Thank you, Al. Yeah. Just ahead on the boost, we are shining a light on an incredible outpouring of love from a group of kids in Texas to the man who spent his life making their school better. That's right after this. at 7.50 as Jacob Sokoroff joins us for the Morning Booth. Hello, Jacob. Guys, listen to this. Three high school students in Callisburg, Texas, got word that their 80-year-old custodian, who they call Mr. James, was forced out of retirement because he could not afford a big rent increase at home. So what did they do? They started a GoFundMe page. It had a goal of $10,000. Before long, that amount kept growing. 
and it kept growing. And this morning, oh. check it out, stands wow. at $144,000. Wow. One of the students who helped raise that money said nobody that age should be working. They should be living Absolutely. out the rest of their life. Yep. Oh, that just gave me chills. That's that is wonderful. Mr. James, huh? Yeah. Oh, that was great amazing. Oh, what good great kids. students. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good one. All right, coming up on Popstart, a dream collaboration for music fans. Get this. What has the Rolling Stones joining forces with the Beatles, Paul McCartney, and Ringo Starr? That's definitely a super group right there. Oh. And then a superstar from Hollywood live in our studio. We're going to sit down with Mark Wahlberg for an inspiring conversation on faith and what he's doing on this first day of Lent. But first, these messages. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. 